You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. everybody and welcome to another edition of affected by altitude i almost called it every rocky ever but that is not this podcast <laughs> but it is still a rockies podcast from rocky mountain rooftop a proud affiliate of the fans first sports network i'm your host Skyler timmons and join this week as always is my partner in crime for these shows evan lang and this week on every rocky ever we are going to be talking about <laughs> mark reynolds uh, we do need to figure out a guy for the next episode. There you go. Mark Reynolds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked Mark Reynolds. He wasn't Marcus Reynolds. Like he was never going to blow your doors off in terms of um, his performance, but he'd sock a couple dingers. He was a solid defensive first baseman. I liked him a lot. He was nice to have around. He was perfectly okay. He was a <laughs> and throughout that 30 home run season. He was a perfectly cromulent first baseman. Mm-hmm. And he begins oh. even the smallest Rocky. Oh, hey, and we're wearing the same shirt. Synergy in the marketplace. <laughs> you can buy that was... this That's Baseball t-shirt at our Spreadshirt shop. You can find the link over on our Twitter. And yeah. in the purplerow.com posting. Yes, please buy more. I'm hungry. This was not planned, by the way. I didn't know he was going to wear the shirt, and he didn't know I was going to wear the shirt. We're just that in tune. That's that co-host energy. Mm-hmm. With the holiday seasons rolling up, though, it's a good shirt. You just can saying. remember the potential bygone days of the Bud Black managerial era, because mm-hmm. we have no idea if Bud Black will be the manager next year. He probably will. Yeah, but he might not be. I don't know. All of his kids and stuff were at the one of the San Diego Padres games. Maybe that was a reminder of, hey, bud, you could be spending time with them all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we'll enough talk about his retirement plans. Evan, should we talk about baseball? Oh, must we, though? I guess As so. Always. That's what we're... That's that's what we're getting paid to do, I guess. Wait, you're getting paid for this? Like a couple nickels. <laughs> yeah, we're we're here to talk about the the season's winding down, and it's not all rainbows and sunshine. There's some exciting stuff, and we'll touch on all of it. Uh, but we're gonna talk about the Rockies' inevitable road to 100 losses. Then we've got more roster stuff in the second half of the show. And then some Arizona Fall League and some more minor league stuff at the tail end. Uh, A lot of exciting stuff throughout the system. But Evan, I think the big thing is the Rockies record in 30 years. They're 30 plus years, 31 seasons now. They've never had 100 losses in a season. They've come close a couple times. But it seems like at the time of recording here on Saturday, even by the time you have this here this on Monday, 
they are going to be likely very close to cracking 100 losses. It seems almost inevitable at this point, unless they go on a real run over the next week. But they currently have, what, 96 losses? 97. 97? Oh, we are, no. We are three away. And we are... So this season is already the second worst season in all of Colorado Rockies history. Happy 30th anniversary, everybody. Um, we are currently sitting at a record of 56 and 97. And there's not that much left here in this season. As we record, it's September 23rd. The season ends on October 1st. We have a couple more series left. We're going to finish out this series against the Chicago Cubs. We are playing the Dodgers, and the Dodgers, unfortunately, I was thinking about this last night, are likely to be the ones to hand us loss number 100. So the worst ever season in Rockies history, as I'm sure you'll recall, is that delightful 2012 season when we had such incredible players on the team as Raphael Betancourt. Hey, Rafi was great. Josh Renneke. Drew Pomeranz, Rex Brothers, Ramon Hernandez, Jonathan Herrera. Hey, don't Tyler be here, plug. Uh, Col- these, Colvin had a good year in 2012. He did. He really did. Some <laughs> of these guys did have a good year in 2012. Chris Nelson, who was the starting third baseman for the majority of 2012, the year before uh, Nolan Arnato made his debut. Uh, he slashed 301, 352, 458. So there were bright spots in that season, like there are bright spots in this season, which is inevitably going to become the Rockies' worst season in franchise history. Mm-hmm. And it's this is entirely this could have been avoided too, because especially over the last month or so, what has been the common thread? Blown games in the later half of the game, sixth inning and on. So if they had managed to close out a bunch of those games that they were you know, in Tampa Bay and Baltimore, kinds of stuff, they could have been sitting pretty right now. But such is not the case. Yeah, especially, I think, did you post that, Skyler, of what our ninth inning ERA was in the month of August and September? No, that was for the entire season. That was for the entire. That's, ooh, ow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Rockies have been really bad in the ninth inning, especially in the late innings. Here in um, September, lots and lots of blown games, which has been. I mean, if we're being real, it's been pretty tough to watch, but I don't think it's tough to say if that would have really stopped anything or if it would have just made it happen less soon. Mm-hmm. We, we've been talking about a lot this week that now things are feeling pretty inevitable. We're going to hit 100 losses. There ain't no getting off of this train. And it really is the inevitability. The inevitability of it is what makes it feel a little worse. I think that, you know, it's going to happen, that there is nothing you can do to stop it. And it's tough. It's tough, especially that this has to be, this is supposed to be like a landmark season. It's the 30th anniversary. It's a highlight of any franchise to have made it this far, to have existed this long. And 
the season really has outside of some bright spots been for lack of better phrasing a big wet fart noise (laughs) (laughs) it's oh gosh that's the best way to put it (laughs) just one loud squelch but it's oh, the... that's an awful way to put it. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> uh, but this is it, kind of ironic, and this kind of this poetic irony that in the very first season for the Rockies, manager Don Baylor says we are not going to lose a hundred games, and that was kind of like setting the tone. That was his expectation to try to set the tone for the Rockies. Is like we're never we're not going to lose a hundred games. People expect us to, but we're not going to do it. And that somehow they that proved to be the case. They managed to avoid it just barely at times throughout the next 30 some odd years. And then finally, when they celebrate the 30th anniversary, what better time to break that, <laughs> that you know, prophetic statement and finally lose a hundred games. And there's things that have led to it. Yes. Injuries stink. And starting pitching has been just decimated. But beyond that, injuries are going to hit every team. Every team's going to struggle with that. And the good ones can overcome that and you know, replace those guys. Look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers starting rotation, I don't even know who's in it anymore, aside from Clayton Kershaw. So who's in that rotation? And yet... Look where they are. They've won the division once again. No, injuries aren't a Rockies exclusive thing. You can't use injuries as an excuse. It's when you can't replace those guys because your drafting and your developing has been so bad. Then there's things that could have been done to avoid this. So they can't use 100 losses. They can't use injuries. It contributes, but it's not the main factor as to why they've lost 100 games. But as we all know, what's going to be in that, you know, if there was a postseason press conference or the season ticket holder letter from from Dick Monfort, what's going to be pointed to in there as the kind of the scapegoat for the bad season? Well, our injuries, uh, guys were injured. We didn't have our starting rotation the way we wanted it to. But Evan, they've had most of the starting rotation the past couple of years, and it hasn't helped. Yeah, and... You know, last year was was pretty bad. The year before was pretty bad. And I really don't think that as as unfortunate as Herman's injury was, I don't think having him staves this off. I don't think having mm-hmm. Antonio Senzatela staves this off. I don't think having Ryan Feltner staves this off, especially because the problems have been Outside of defense, surprisingly enough, everywhere. Yeah. If it's not one thing, it's another. If you're pitching really well, starting pitching, oh, our offense can't muster more than three hits, and they score maybe a run. Oh, we're hitting really well? Oh, our bullpen gave up seven runs in the eighth inning. So if it's Uh, not one thing, it's another. We are currently on track to have the... Lowest amount of runs scored in franchise history. Oh no! Since 2020 and 1994, 
what was what was special about those years, Skyler, is that those weren't full seasons played. Yeah. And do you know what the previous lowest number of runs scored by the team was? Well, it was last year. I miss when the Rockies had offense. We're like the powerhouse offensive team in the league. Yeah, they, it used to be that, and it was, and we we all com- we all complained about it. The oh, Coors Field is this offensive cheat code where oh, the Rockies are just crushing dingers left and right, but they're not really doing that for the last couple of seasons. The Rockies have not hit as many home runs at Coors Field as their opponents have. Uh-huh. And they're not hitting that many home runs on the road either. Uh-huh. Maybe it's their efforts to dispel the myth and make Todd Helton look even greater. So once Todd Helton gets into the Hall of Fame, then we'll turn it up a notch again. Conspiracy the... theory. <laughs> and I will say the Rockies have... at least not the worst amount of home runs in the league. But it ain't great. <laughs> this is, a, you'll notice that we're not like, usually we flow a little bit better when we're talking about subjects, but this is such a hard subject to talk about because there is no one pinpoint path that you can just follow of, this is why the Rockies are losing a hundred games this year. Uh-huh. But you look and, how many how many teams do you think have hit less home runs than the Rockies? Off top of your head. Mm, seven. That is extremely generous. <laughs> Three. Still too generous. Oh, one. Now that is not as generous as you probably should have been. The two? Rockies. Two. <laughs> It is two. Only two teams have hit less home runs than the Colorado Rockies, the Washington Nationals and the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, and the and the Guardians aren't built to hit home runs. Yeah, they are a, a very high contact team. And the Nationals are who knows what they're doing over there. But the Nationals they at least won a World Series. They won their World Series in 2019. At the end of the day, any rebuild that they go through, the pain that they are dealing with, that's the tax man coming to collect, and it doesn't matter. You got the ring. That's how the the Rams fans felt last year. That the you know the Los Angeles Rams underperformed. Doesn't matter. Got the ring. Mm-hmm. The Rockies don't got that ring. They don't have that division crown. And once again, they're about to finish dead last in the National League West. Mm-hmm. And pretty much dead last in the National League in general. And it's it's the hitting, it's the pitching, it's the development, the research and analytics, the advanced you know, preparation, the ownership, the leadership. Everything is just dysfunctional and out of whack. And everybody just kind of looks on in horror. It's like a bad car crash. You know, you just can't help but look at it and you're just confused. Like, how did this happen? And it's everybody's just confused because 
the team's so insular, they don't share anything, they don't tell anything, even in the bad time, even in the good or the bad times, we just don't yeah. know anything from the team. They just exist. We're not going to get a, a press conference. We're not nope. going to get any sort of debriefing or dressing down from, from Bill Schmidt, from Dick Monfort, from anyone. They haven't done a end of season debrief or, or really any major press conference at all that they could not tightly control. Like when Bill Schmidt shows up in the, in the broadcasting booth mm-hmm. or something like that, what we're going to get is we're going to get a letter from Dick Monfort, the season ticket holders. They'll say the same thing it has every year for the last couple of years of, Oh, we're going to do better and brighter times are around the corner. And then we're going to hear nothing until about February or early March when Dick Monfort says something stupid at a luncheon. And mm-hmm. then we reload the train back on the tracks to see how it gets derailed this year, the next year. I can't wait for the quote that comes out from Dick Monfort ordering a sandwich from Chick-fil-A and just happens to tell the cashier out there somewhere. Out in Windsor or Greeley. He tells him something in the drive-thru, and then that's what makes the headlines. Oh, the yeah. Can I get can I get extra extra Chick Fil A sauce with that? Oh, I think the Rockies <laughs> are going to be a wild card team this year. Yeah, <laughs> I get a ten piece ten piece nugget and uh, oh, and some Chick-fil- waffle fries, sandwich deluxe, and some waffle fries. And uh, can I get a shake? And also, the Rockies will be a, a wild card team. Uh, just, <laughs> I love the idea of him just throwing in stuff, just random places. He's you know, buying, he's buying I, socks at Target. No, I, I don't like that kind. I like the kind that has a little bit more padding in the bottom of the foot. You know, really, really makes you feel a little bit more supported if you're wearing flat shoes. Also, I think the Rockies are going to have a Cy Young winner this year. Anyway, do those come in black or they only come in white? <laughs> just throwing it out in random conversations, just out of context throwing it in there oh man but that thought makes me happy something's got to make you happy because it's certainly not this rocky season and 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 it's not for the fault because we've looked at team there's some optimism there there is hope with the players on the field the nolan joneses are doing wonderful and and, no there's some promising things in the bullpen and on the mound it goes back to that thing of we're not really getting beat. We're just, or we're not losing games. We're getting beat. Oh, and that's kind of what it is, is the guys on the field, they're growing. There are some good signs there. There's some things to be happy about. There's a lot of problems still, but the thing that makes you worry is, can the team address that? Will they fix or change anything to overcome those problems? You don't just do the same thing season after season. You reassess. Okay, our analytic, we're getting outscouted. We're getting outperformed. What do we need to do to get our guys to the level they need to be at to compete? And do we have the resources? What resources do we need to improve on to get them to that point? And we just don't know if they're willing or able to do that. Are we finally going to stop asking every single pitcher on this big league staff to pound the bottom of the strike zone with your fastball when that is proven that teams know that we're doing that mm-hmm. and because it every single pitcher does that Victor Vodnik is a high velocity fastball guy who 
thrives at putting his fastballs up in the zone. And he is being sent out there and being told, pound the bottom of the zone. And he has struggled immensely since being called up. And you look at where his pitches are going, and it's like, why? Hey, why are you doing that? Hey, why are you telling him to do the same thing that you're having every other single pitcher do, despite the fact that he does not fit that mold? This is not the picture that Victor Vodnik is. And it's been for years now of trying to cram every single pitcher into this into this mold, and it doesn't work. And mm-hmm. we thought we were getting, because we saw the trade deadline, we were getting this whole diverse bunch of pitchers with different skill sets and thinking maybe now we're finally breaking out of the mold. And we're going to start diversifying our pitching. And they don't. Mm-hmm. Noah Davis down in AAA says that he's trying to get back into what he was doing with the Reds organization that made him so successful, that made him desirable for the Rockies. And they call him up. And they have him do the same thing that he was doing before, which is sinkers low in the zone. Mm-hmm. It just it's, ain't working. It's so frustrating. And you have the Rockies who this is this is one that'll hurt you, Skyler. We are potentially going to be the only team in the National League West that finishes with a losing record. Okay, I'm gonna that turn something them, that's I'm on the turn table the microphone right here. away. Turn it away. <laughs> okay. So the only other team in the division with a losing record right now is the Padres. The Padres are only two games under 500. They're at 76 and 78 right now. Mm -hmm. There is no reason why they couldn't finish with a winning record with how many games they've got on the table. They're not going to make the playoffs. Which is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that is funny. (laughs) But they're also not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. The Rockies have been out for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. And you look at the talent that are on the Padres. Oh, the pitching. Blake Snell is doing his thing. Oh, they have the talent and the organization will and determination to figure out how they can build a winner, whether it's bringing in free agent acquisitions or other things like that. But if we just don't know what the Rockies because they've just been trying the same. Like they've tried maybe like two or three philosophies over the course of their history. And they're all kind of the same thing with just slight variations. So a couple years ago it was let's bring in free agents. Well, that didn't work out. Let's turn to the homegrown crowd. And then they're going to ride that for a couple years now. Yeah. And the Padres are an excellent example of, a, lo- a lot of people, you know, chastise Dick Monfort for saying he doesn't spend enough money, which outside of this year where the payroll is probably the lowest it's been in franchise history, especially after the trade deadline, the Rockies payroll is generally middle of the pack. And this Padres team is a great example of throwing tons of money at it doesn't necessarily mean success. The Mets. The, the Mets also, where they threw tons of money at the problem of we need to make the playoffs. Here is all of this money, and neither team made the playoffs. Okay, that's fine. But then you have to find another way ar- around that, and the Rockies aren't doing that 
either. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, this year, they've been playing lots of rookies. The Rockies are actually one of the teams that have the most rookie at-bats right now in MLB, which is surprising because... You know, one of the one of the biggest complaints is, you know, the the Buddy Black refuses to play the rookies. And we don't know how things would have turned out if we hadn't been major sellers at the deadline. But at the very least, we have that. And, you know, there is more hope on the horizon horizon for the prospects. But that doesn't negate the fact that this team has gaping, glaring, massive holes, massive flaws that need to be addressed. And you cannot necessarily trust the organization to do it. Mm-hmm. That's and the you can't even problem. necessarily trust the organization to acknowledge the hundred losses, because we'll for just years, get a social media graphic that says one hundred losses. For years now, it's always been well. At least we didn't lose a hundred. But now you don't have that anymore. You don't have that to fall back on. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And. It's tough because either two things are going to happen is that this is finally a massive wake up call for Dick Monfort and this organization or more excuses are made and nothing changes. And so they'll turn to like, hey, we have a chance at a good first round pick, a top three pick maybe, which, yeah, that's great. But then are we going to get another Greg Reynolds situation? Are you going to do anything with that pick? Because the Rockies always say, well, we're a, we're a draft and develop organization, but they've been bad at drafting and they've been bad at developing. Yeah. Or they've been good at the drafting, but they can't develop them to the point where they're big league contributors. And sometimes the things out of their control, like Ryan Rollison, his injuries, especially over the last few seasons, I don't think, anybody would have predicted that that would have happened to him. And that is really unfortunate. That is not the organization's fault necessarily. No, but there are plenty of other times where it's been, Oh, this guy's supposed to be the next big thing. And then it doesn't happen. Uh, Rough stuff. that, That actually makes me really curious. Mm-hmm. And I know that this, I know that this, 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 uh, this topic has been going long, but let's take a look at the Rockies top organizational prospects. Number one prospect each year for the last, as far as MLB pipeline goes back. So that's 2011. Number one prospect in 2011, Tyler Matzik had the yips. Was out of baseball, became great. Long, with the long Braves. gone from the Rockies. <laughs> is now a big contributor with the world champion Atlanta Braves. 2012, Nolan Arenado did perform at an incredible level. I wonder what happened to that guy. Uh, he is with the now eliminated from franchise from playoff contention and losing season secured St. Louis Cardinals. A little shot in Freud, at least. Got him. He'll be traded in the offseason. Top prospect in 2013, David Dahl. Had one good season. And then just hasn't been able to stay healthy. (laughs) 
He is now, uh, I think he's playing with the Oklahoma City Dodgers, the Dodgers AAA affiliate. Good for him. 2014, John Gray. wonder what happened to him. I'll give you a hint. He's not a Rocky anymore. I mean, he's on a team that's fighting for the playoffs. And helped him refine his pitching abilities. Having a really great year. 2015, John Gray again. Uh, the number two prospect overall that year, though, was Eddie Butler. Mm. 2016, Brendan Rogers. Rogers is with the team. He's been a contributor, but can't stay healthy. Can't stay healthy and has never really lived up to that top organizational prospect billing, though mm-hmm. he did win a gold glove last year. 2017. Brennan Rogers again, the second overall prospect in 2017 for MLB Pipeline was Jeff Hoffman. Who hates the Rockies. Who bounced around to a couple organizations, is now on the big league squad with the playoff bound Philadelphia Phillies. 2018 was Brendan Rogers again. The number two prospect that year is Ryan McMahon, who is... He's been solid as a big leaguer, but this year especially has really, really struggled with strikeouts. He's got some of the most strikeouts in the league. That's been that's been tough. Uh, 2019, Brendan Rodgers again. Uh, it's just so Brendan Rodgers now for four straight years has been the top organizational prospect as we're going through this list. And as we said, he's never really lived up to that top prospect billing, both through injuries and um, and other things. Mm-hmm. Number two prospect that year, Colton Welker, who was released by the Rockies, picked up by the Giants, has been released by the Giants, and he's currently not with the team right now. He's currently not playing big league baseball. Uh, number three, by the way, Garrett Hampson that year. Top prospect of 2020. Oh, look, it's Brendan Rodgers again. Uh, but number two is Ryan Rollison, who we don't know if he'll ever pitch again. Mm-hmm. He just had a second. So he just recently had a second shoulder surgery. He's barely pitched over the last three seasons. His career might be done. We're we're getting close to where we're at right now. Yeah, let's pick up this pace because we're at 30 minutes here in the episode. Uh, 2021, Zach Veen. Um, Unknown how he's going to do it this time. Uh, Interesting to note, number four was Ryan Valade, who is no longer with the organization. Uh, 2022, Zach Veen again. And this year's top prospect is Adele Amador. So you go through, and in the last 12 years... The only consistently remaining number one top prospect was Brendan Rodgers for like five straight seasons. And I love B-Rod, never really lived up to the hype. Otherwise, almost every other top prospect we've had either hasn't delivered or is with another team. Mm-hmm. It's a tough, tough, tough job to do well. And but I, wish it, a chance. I wish it felt like any of this at the end of the day mattered at all Mm -hmm. because i'd say it's about a 70 30 chance that 
the organization, the Dick Montfort, they don't even acknowledge the 100 loss season. They just say, oh, well, we have to do better next year. And we're, uh, we owe it to our fans and the season ticket holders. And then they do nothing. Give us more money next year. But we'll pick up this conversation. There's a couple more things I wanted to touch on, but we'll take a quick break here when we come back here on Affected by Altitude. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Uh, we're talking about 100 losses. Wanted to touch on something here in the terms of like prospects and stuff. Is Evan, when you look around the league, right now at this time, especially you know, playoff-bound teams, what are things a lot of teams are doing? They're calling up top prospects. These aren't rebuilding teams. They're bringing up the best players in their prospect system. The Orioles are doing it. Oh, the the Phillies have brought up some guys. The Tampa Bay Rays are bringing up guys. There's a ton of teams that are in you know, these some of these playoff-bound teams that are calling up their young prospect talent, top prospects, by the way, who have had phenomenal you know, seasons. They're calling them up to continue to bolster the team as they head towards the playoffs. But the Rockies... They're not calling up many guys. They're not calling up a lot of those top prospects because, oh, they need to continue to cook. They need more time. And, yeah, that's probably true. But you can still look in, like, there's plenty of guys looking in that system that they could call up or that they could have called up in the pitching department. There's some starting pitchers, like, yeah, like, some of these guys call them up. They seem ready to face big league pitching like a Carson Palmquist or things like that. And some of those guys, but it would just be nice to have that excitement. Like, yeah, we have some more of these prospects already on our team. Nolan Jones, who was basically finished kind of at upper echelon, not that rookie prospect. The Guardians already did all that. And then we did a little bit more to just top them off. And Tovar, yeah, and Tovar's done great. He's kind of worked his way throughout the whole season. But there's more that you could have called up here at this last part of the season instead of, okay, well, we've got to make sure that Chris Bryant's back out on the field. Um, we've got to make sure Chase Anderson's ready to go here and stuff like that. Harold Castro, he, we got to make sure he's still on the roster, you know, being that mentor on the bench, things like that. You know, Elias Diaz, we got to make sure he's still out there and Austin wins. There's a lot of that stuff where – you, know, you could get a head start and say, well, Austin wins. We appreciate you, but we don't need you for the rest of the season Yeah, type of thing. It, and that's tough. It's the people relations. You don't want to still like hurt those relationships and treat the, just discard those guys and be like, all right, well, we have no more use for you. See ya. The Rockies just don't operate like that. But when we look at the, it's the cycling through of prospects, I think is that big problem that the organization has to that lead to a hundred losses and just dysfunction. They hold on to prospects for so long. Oh, we believe in this guy that he can do it. We know we drafted him in 2010 with our first round pick. We're holding on to him. Like, hey, it's 2023. That guy's old. No, he's still a top prospect. It's like, um, Riley pint, for example, mm-hmm. Riley pint, 
is at the point where you either need to know if he can be a big league pitcher. Yeah. Or you've got to let him go. Yeah. Like, why hasn't he been up in September? Like, of all, they keep cycling through bullpen all these pieces. Relievers, Where's all Riley these Pint? Why hasn't Riley Pint gotten a fair shake in the month of September? Well, you got to give guys fair shakes and see what you have in them, and then you can cut them loose. Yeah. You don't why hold is, on a leash. Why is Chris Flexen starting today against the Cubs and not Carl Kaufman or Jeff Criswell or Tanner Gordon? Tanner, well, Tanner Gordon, obviously, just he pitched for the Isotopes <laughs> last night. Seven shutout innings in the PCL at home in Albuquerque, two walks, eight strikeouts, three hits. Uh-huh. In Albuquerque. I, in Albuquerque. And I, I've said before, Triple A is somewhat barren when it comes to pitching, but there are guys that you could call up or nuts to it. Call guys up directly from double A if you really have to. And mm-hmm. I will say it's it's tough because you know there are other teams that are calling up their top prospects. The majority of the Rockies' top prospects are in double A or lower right now. Yeah. And so unless you think they're really, really ready to go. I do understand leaving them down there and not putting them on the 40 and then having to tinker with things around after that. But there are some guys where you could at least call them up and take a look. Aaron Shunk has been raring to go for his opportunity pretty much all year. Drew Romo's in AAA right now. Honestly, nuts to it. Call him up. See what happens. Because we have the Orioles could very well call up Jackson Holiday before the season is over. Yeah. The Rangers could very, very well call up Wyatt Langford, who was drafted this year and is mm-hmm. already in AAA. Mm-hmm. The Angels and their dumpster fire, they had that Noah Shenuel or whatever, has been solid, a solid bat in their lineup. He's not doing extraordinary things, but he's making contact and getting on base. And he was just drafted this year, already a contributing big league first baseman. So it's the the trend of the league is getting more aggressive with bringing up your prospects because the talent is just out of this world. Like the talent each year is getting better and better. Just the evolution of baseball in general. And I don't know if the Rockies are taking full advantage of that in a way where, yeah, you got to be more rapid with guys. If a guy's ready, like bring him up. Let him see what he can do. Yeah. Well, think about the Rockies should already be be knowing this because their top two of their top three players by wins above replacement are rookies. Mm-hmm. They're Nolan Jones and Ezekiel Tovar at one and three with three point five and two point four. Brenton Doyle is literally the best defensive center, one of the best defensive center fielders in the league right now with 17 mm-hmm. defensive the, runs saved. The best ever by a Rockies outfielder that is recorded. So they didn't have it in the 90s. So, But I have a hard time believing anybody had a better has had a better defensive outfield season than Brenton Doyle. So Brenton Doyle is at 17. The other two center fielders are tied for 17. It's Kevin Kiermeyer, whom we've said if Doyle can get his bat to just like a Kevin Kiermeyer level, that is an ideal scenario for him. 
and then Dalton Varsho. And Doyle's played more innings than both of them in center field. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these rookies contributing, and yet they still hang on. It took trading away a bunch of these guys to get the rookies more playing time. It took trading away CJ Crone and mm-hmm. Randall Grichik. It took but we still hang on to these veterans. And I get like, you know, guys like Chase Anderson, you know, he, he, your innings eaters, things like that. But the season is lost. Mm-hmm. And I know that you want to try and save face and win as many games as you can for the rest of the season. But Chris Flexen's not going to be with this team next year. Unless he why says not, the magic words. Unless he says the magic words. And so why not give another guy a chance? Why not? You let Carl Kaufman see what he can do, and if it's just not working out, then you cut bait and move on. That's the name of the game, but we've seen with the Rockies in in the past. Look at like Rymel Tapi and Jonathan Daza. They kind of seem like those prime examples where they just hold on to this guy for so long, but they don't give him his chance until they have no other choice of, oh, we don't want to lose him to waivers, so we're going to we're hold him on until that time, and then we'll let him be the everyday you know, center fielder. And then they finally cut loose Jonathan Daza this season, you know, early in the season, which is still crazy that they actually did that. But they did the same thing with Tapia. we got to roll him out there because we don't want to lose him to waivers. Somebody else might get him. And but Daza that's, cleared waivers. Yeah, he they put him on the outright and he cleared them because nobody wanted him. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like as, much as, as much as I love Jonathan Daza, he was never the long-term solution in center field or in left field where he regularly played. Yeah. And there's a lot of those guys that are like that. Like this guy's not the long-term solution. And so you got to start cycling like we keep harping on it, Harold Castro. You're not a long-term solution. Harold but, Castro, know. I don't even know why he is still here. And this is not to denigrate Harold Castro as like a bad person or someone I don't like because he seems like a lovely dude, stand-up fella. But he has negative 1.4 war. He hasn't actually played that much over the last couple of weeks, mercifully. Why is he still taking up a roster spot? Because I've discussed, I've written about this. We've discussed this. You either have to non-tender him at the end of this year, and then you wasted an entire season of him taking up a roster spot, putting up negative 1.4 war, or you get him through arbitration, and then you're paying a dude who just had negative 1.4 war like $2 million. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of guys like that. Oh, they they, now I'm going to say this season they've done better at cutting bait with some guys. Whether how long it took is a different discussion, but they did it and they traded guys. And that's a trend they need to keep moving forward. But specifically with prospects, you can't string them along and try to bl- and continue to block them in places. Oh, we saw this with, with, with Montero. And uh, he's just kind of been yanked up and down. He's finally getting some regular playing time again, like he did last year in the last two months of the season. But they kind of drag him along. You, some of these, a lot of these guys, you have to let them come up and play. Brent Doyle, he's gotten to play. Tovar, he's gotten to play. Nolan Jones, when he finally got to play, 
look what they can do when they evolve and you give them that chance. They didn't take to imagine if they'd taken Tovar and brought him back. <laughs> they called him up at the end of last season and then they bring him up this season, but then they just kind of yo-yo him back and forth because, because they can, or they, they keep, okay, he's going to be our shortstop of the future in 2026, but we're going to call him up and then option him until he's out of options. And then we'll let him play. Now it's, it's just that kind of that weird thing that they hold on to guys for way too long. And then it just doesn't work out. Yeah. And so like you, Hunter, Hunter Goodman, for example, has not played that much since Chris Bryant returned, mm-hmm. but there are ways to get him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And you know what a, what a, a good way to get him in the lineup would be. You get rid of Austin wins and you can put, uh, you can put Goodman at catcher in addition to first base and right field and DH mm-hmm. you op- open up another Avenue for him to get playing time. Yeah. Or you just rest. D- Diaz doesn't need to be starting every single day. You can cycle in all three of those guys at catcher. Uh, th- there's ways to do it. And it brings back like that Brenton, uh, Brendan Rogers conversation. Yeah, he's never really lived up to the hype. Yes, he's won a gold glove, but the offense just isn't coming along anymore. And he's got the injury threats. Do you really want to hold on to him for years to come? Not knowing that you're not going to get much offense out of him, potentially? No, there's too many up-in-the-air questions of, is he worth what we're probably going to have to pay him in arbitration this year? Or do we... Oh, look at shipping him off somewhere, bring back some pitching talent. And no, we either bring in a free agent second baseman or no, a stopgap again for second base while we wait for no Amador or somebody who can come up and play second. Or do we give it to Aaron Shunk? Coco Montez, do you stick around and we put you there finally? There's things to do. And so it's that constant evolution of the roster being stuck where they are now. And how they construct their roster and run it, that contributes to a hundred losses. Yeah. When you just you keep think of, doing the same thing over and over again. And you think about how many times there have been trade rumors around Brendan Rogers. For the last five years, it feels like every offseason there's been some rumor of the Rockies are going to trade Brendan Rogers. And this most recent offseason, it was the Rockies are going to trade Brendan Rogers who to the Miami Marlins, who needed a second baseman. And get some starting you know, some young starting pitching back. And it was was Edward Cabrera who was rumored? Yeah, he was one of them or he was the one that like the yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, but that that worked out pretty well. And then they went and got Gene Segura. That didn't work out too well. They and had then they'll get Luisa Rice. <laughs> and it worked like, out for them. It did. But it didn't really work out for the Rockies and you know, some of that isn't necessarily Brendan Rogers getting hurt was poopy. It was an it was an accident. Like I never would have expected that to happen. This was a play that Rogers makes all the time. But now that he's finally back, it's again we're waiting for his his bat to heat up. And he hit pretty well last year, but remember that that April that he had where he had like what a point seven. 0.078 batting average or something in the month of April. Yeah. But, and like this, the power has never been there. 
still. He had that one good season, what, 2021? But then the next year, the power just kind of disappeared. And so it's inconsistent. He's just not the spectacular player that you would want for a you know, top three draft pick. But instead, he's just kind of a, yeah, he's decent. He's a big league player. Yeah, he's an average big league player. But Whereas that's not what you expect to have over a guy who was, like we said previously, your top prospect for five years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Rough stuff. Um, but while we're talking of prospects, let's touch on this real quick, Evan. Uh, <laughs> Arizona Fall League got news of the rosters initially. Rockies have quite a representation delegate heading to Arizona uh, to play for the Salt River Rafters this year. So uh, some pretty exciting things. And I think you've got that list there. I do indeed. Um, I, was, I was just about to, I was laughing because like this episode has gone so off the rails compared to our original game plan. So <laughs> we have, we have a run sheet that we build before every episode of like, all right, here's topics we're going to hit. Here's roughly how we're going to segment things out. And then our first segment basically took 45 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Arizona fall league, basically the finishing school of minor league baseball and minor leaguers you send your guys who you expect um who you really have expectations of there to get a little bit more reps and um and see where they're going to be uh zach veen played in the arizona fall league last year and i am really happy to see how many people we are we are sending this year we're sending a ton of folks uh the big names are catcher drew romo uh, third baseman and outfielder Sterling Thompson and uh, center fielder Benny Montgomery for position players. Um, all top prospects in the organization. Uh, Drew Romo is probably going to be on the big league roster at some point next season. Um, Sterling Thompson and uh, Benny Montgomery have both had pretty solid seasons down in their prospective affiliate teams. I'm, I'm really pleased to see all of them are going to come and play in Arizona Fall League. Uh, even more surprising is the amount of pitchers that we're sending. Uh, so Alec Barger, who we received via trade this year, Jaden Hill going to get some more work. Jaden Hill sort of worked pretty sparingly this year um, just, you know, to make sure he's pitching, but, you know, worried about keeping him healthy. Uh, Chris McMahon, Juan Mejia, and Case Williams uh, all going to the Arizona Fall League this year. Mm-hmm. And we've got a one of the coaches, and then the athletic trainer, I believe, for the yard goats. Uh, Miranda Briney, I think. Yeah, but they're sending some you no know, coaching, some staff enhancements. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, Zach Veen last year was a big, had a huge season down in the Arizona Fall League. Even more surprising that he had that wrist injury that he was playing through in, <laughs> in Arizona at the time. But exciting stuff and the pitchers probably won't get a ton of work maybe one or two of them will yeah uh, like, like one of the starters like, like hill maybe or case yeah. Williams. arizona fall league is where like you get like 10 to 12 innings of work you, then you're not <laughs> gonna be the upper echelon you're lucky if you get like two innings but it's good to see those guys drew romo exciting he's down in triple a right now uh 
I love I saw the quote from him. he's like I I don't even want to I don't want to go home to Texas I want to keep playing baseball I'm I'm excited to go down to Arizona and continue playing so that kid is he's working hard he's hungry to continue to get better and, and get his way up to the big league roster and yeah he's gonna have a good shot you know even depending on how well he does if he gets a lot of time in a in the Arizona Fall League look at trading Diaz in the off season and then. Just let Romo run with it in spring training. It's wild that Diaz, we talked about this a little bit in our writer's room. No one's really talked about Diaz since the all-star break. No one's really, no one really even mentions that he was an all-star or that he was the all-star game MVP anymore. He's just been sort of quietly trucking along through the rest of the season. Hasn't been bad. Hasn't been amazing. He's just been, you know, just done what he's done all year. Playing, doing his thing. And I, I agree with you that if if Romo really wows you, and especially with how he's ended the season this year, uh, mm-hmm. really putting things together in Hartford, getting called up to AAA and off to a pretty good start with the Isotopes, and see how he does in the Arizona Fall League, you got to look at making room for him to play. Give him the Tovar treatment. 2024, you're not competing. Let him get his big league experience, figuring out how to, how to catch these arms, call a big league game. Unless unless you get Elias to agree that he's gonna assume the role of backup catcher. Yeah. Because you don't you don't necessarily want a rookie catcher to be starting every single game to the degree that, that Diaz does. Yeah. That you want to ease them into that colossal workload because being the everyday catcher is extremely hard on on both physically and mentally. It is a it is a yeah. tough job that honestly it's underrepresented how tough a job that is. Yeah. It would be like you call up Romo, he's and they're you're catching tandem where you know the they're kind of split in the week. Oh, well, maybe Diaz is he he catches two days and then Romo catches two days and then Diaz two days. That type of thing get on a schedule. Yeah. Like in an eighty one eighty one tandem. Yeah, something like I'd that. I'd be totally fine with that. But you know who can't be on this team next year is Austin wins. Yeah. Unless he retires and becomes the bullpen catcher. Which I'd be, or, or a coach of some kind. The Rockies clearly love this guy. And they love what he brings to the table in terms of his relationship with, with his teammates and with the players and as as a mentor. Bring him in for the coaching staff. If, mm-hmm. if you really love him that much. Because, I'm sorry, it's clear that he's not a big league catcher. And that's totally fine. Think of all the great coaches who never really had that much big league success. Mm-hmm. But the two are not necessarily... You don't need to be an amazing big leaguer to be an amazing coach. Yeah. You can hire him as a bullpen, like a legit, like bullpen coach or pitching coach yeah. of some kind. Cause plenty of catchers have done that, but that, so Drew Romer has that future. There's yes. excitement about him. He's growing, which is awesome to see. And it's cool to see him go. He, at the Arizona. best catching prospect in the history of the organization. Yeah. I have so. not been so excited. And, and we were all worried for a little bit because he he did struggle to find his footing in double A. It took him a little bit. But that's a that's a tough jump. The jump from A level ball to double A AA and triple A is so hard. And now that he's really turning that corner, it's so easy to be so excited again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's done the same thing at every level. He's just gotten to a point where then he's just consistent mm. with his stuff and having success. That's cool. Sterling Thompson, it will be cool to have him down there. 
Juan Monson, Sterling Thompson. There you go. And in double A, probably will start season in triple A. But hey, if they're putting him in the Arizona Fall League, they've got kind of like Grant Levine. Oh, there's there's hope there. But I think Thompson is getting closer than was closer than we think with getting to the big league, big league roster. And Hey, it puts more guys on the kind of the, the radar of, well, do they trade them to trade some people to save some money? Ryan McMahon, are you on the trading block? And we're going to have you no know, Thompson is kind of your heir at third base, things like that. But exciting times for those guys down there. And, we and will be. I'm re- I'm really excited for pitching wise. I'm excited to see Jaden Hill, Chris McMahon, and Case Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all guys. Um, Jaden Hill and Chris McMahon are both guys who have had some some injury issues. Um, you know, Jaden Hill had Tommy John before getting drafted, and uh, Chris McMahon has had um, some some injuries that he's been dealing with as well. And then Case Williams just needs more seasoning because he's shown these flashes of incredible promise. Um, that you want to see from, especially from a local kid. Um, you know, Case was drafted out of what Castle Rock, Colorado, I think. And these are guys that I'm all really excited to see in the Arizona Fall League. And then we discussed it a little bit last week. I think, you know, Betty Montgomery, I think a lot of people have gone down on him in terms of, you know, his future with the organization, but there's still a lot of promise there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... I'm high on Benny. He's a funky dude, a funky player. No, just that's how it is. They don't like him because he looks weird because he kind of moves weird. He's like a hundred pence and just how he approaches things. But there's potential there and he's a going to be a good center fielder and he has the potential for a good bat, a good contributing top of the lineup type of guy. No, he's like, he probably not to the level defensively of Brenton Doyle, but I would say he's up there pretty close. Yeah. You know, solid what, center fielder. We were, we were pretty, pretty harsh about the Rockies in terms of their development of players and hanging on for guys too long. What I will say is that this year they have definitely had some guys that they've sped along development wise, where we have guys who were drafted in 2021 and 2022 who are in double A and triple A at this point. Mm-hmm. And we just saw a whole slew of promotions up to AAA for the end of the season for Drew Romo and Kyle Dotras, Austin Kitchen, a bunch of other guys who were who were promoted up. So uh-huh. they're being a little bit less conservative now than they have been in recent years. And I say keep it coming. Yeah. And the Arizona Fall League is a great place for them to do that. Uh, Arizona Fall League is so much fun, too. I would love to get out to uh, a game at some point. Mm-hmm. A live show from Salt River Field. It probably wouldn't happen, but anyway, fun though. Well, Evan, do we take one last break and fulfill our final segment? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, might as well. We got nothing else to do. All right, let's do it to it. We'll keep it quick, though. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude. Hello and welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Uh, Episode's running long, but hey, one last little thing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Ryan Feltner is back in the starting rotation. 
Uh, he'll probably have a chance to make probably one more start here before the season ends. But if you remember, remember to uh, suffer that skull fracture from a line drive comebacker back in May. Yeah. Uh, May 13th. Yeah. So he takes the line drive you know, off his head skull fracture and he's just been working back and it was kind of up in the air of, well, is he going to be able, will he pitch again this season? Will he pitch again at all? Uh, but he's been working through it and then things just kind of, you know, worked out perfectly uh, for him in the recovery and getting back and building up and finally makes a start here at the end of end of September does really well in his return five innings, you know, a really solid outing again, just a kind of a miraculous return again, those head injuries, especially to pitchers and everything scary, but he makes the comeback and nope, he's in a good spot right now, I think. And it's just good to have Ryan Feltner back. Yeah, Felty, it was so, it's so nice to see him back. Not just the the physical hurdle of recovering from that skull fracture and the the ruptured eardrum, but probably the biggest hurdle is is the mental one of you took a devastating injury on the mound and 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 working your way back and coming back to that and then coming back and pitching very well, five shutout innings, two hits, two walks, five strikeouts with all of his pitches looking very sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't help but be happy for the guy. And Ryan Feltner is, I think, has some of the most promise on this current Rockies pitching staff. And, you know, his parents traveled out from Ohio to watch him make his comeback. Um, if you have a chance, check out um, over on Purple Row, our um, our own Sam Bradfield she talked with Ryan Feltner and some of the other Rockies about his comeback the day after he made it. The article is called the day after Ryan Feltner reflects on his miraculous comeback. Uh, definitely worth checking out, but Feltner is a guy who I am so happy to. And I was honestly, when the injury happened, I was like, do not rush him. Do not rush him. Let him take as much time as he needs. And oh. I was even a little worried when it said that he was resuming you know, pitching because it's such a scary hit and you want to make sure that both mentally and physically he's good to go, but he has done an amazing job and I am, I am so happy for him. So proud of him. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do over his last couple starts of the season and next year, especially because I feel like he's pretty much a lock to be in the rotation next year. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that spot as Kyle Freeland is done for the season. Austin mm. Gomber's done for the season. Mm. Peter Lambert's done for the season. Mm. So it was good that it worked out that he could come and join here at the end of the season. But then next year, you've got Herman Marquez and Antonio Senzatella recovering from Tommy John surgery. So there's an open spots there for him. So right now, that rotation looks like Kyle Freeland's in there. We'll assume Austin Gomber but depends on what happens with arbitration. If they keep him around still, I think that's still up in the air. And then there's Peter Lambert. So that gives you roughly three guys. And then Ryan Feltner, maybe, no, let's say Chase Anderson. If they bring him back, that would be your five starters for next season. It's, but it's just good. Feltner overcoming that hurdle. Cause I've been on the mound 
Oh, even in high school. And it's terrifying when you get on there and that first line drive that comes right back at you. And when you do the matrix on the mound, like your heart gets pumping. Oh, it's a scary thing. But then you ratchet, you amp that up at the big league level where these big, strong dudes hitting a ball 90 to a hundred miles an hour off the bat directly back at you in a split second. No, that, that's terrifying. Yeah. And that's a definitely a, suffering that injury to overcome that mental hurdle and get that confidence to get back on the mound and then no fairly dominate in your first outing. And no, all that time he's rested. So that can give him time to like tinker with stuff comes out fastballs, electric hitting 98 on that sucker huge. And if just like to see him going then into the off season, healthy and able to then work out and train get back into shape and prep for next season because we're going to need them. <laughs> and people thought like comebackers are scary on any part of the field. Like remember Juan Uribe's career ended after he took like a hundred six mile hour liner to the groin. Ooh. So anywhere a comebacker is no joke, but when you are standing on the mound, 60.6 feet away from the batter, Mm-hmm. screaming liner is headed straight for your head. That's scary. And we've seen some, some truly terrifying injuries. I remember Matt Shoemaker almost 10 years ago at this point, I think when he took that liner off the head mm-hmm. and Ryan Feltner, I don't want to say lucky because it was, it was a bad injury. He fractured his skull. He ruptured his eardrum, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And the fact that he's back with us in pitching this season, he's wearing a little bit of extra protection inside his cap now, um, which honestly, I feel like everyone should do anyway. Because mm-hmm. I know they've tried They've tried some different things for trying to protect pitchers. Like they had those big, goofy, padded hats, and basically all the pitchers hated them because it wasn't comfortable and it kind of threw off their rhythm. It's a big, giant, goofy <laughs> The, but I, I'm, it's, I'm having a hard time talking. Apparently <laughs> I'm, 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 we're definitely going to need to see, uh, to have a lot from Ryan Feltner next year. And I think he's going to be up to the task. Yeah. And you know, giving him that fair shake. And, but that's the big thing, being able to get back on the mound healthy to end the season and overcome all that, put that behind him and move forward now. Well, I'm sure there may be other things to keep an eye on and Prius's but he's in a good spot now where he can be on the big league mound pitching, being effective, and moving forward into a regular off season for him, as regular as it couldn't be. Um because it, it reminds me of when you no know, when Juan Nicasio got hit with a comebacker and then broke his neck you know, when he fell down on the mound and kinda Messed some of the vertebrae there in his neck, and you no, know, that's probably like the the scariest injury that I've seen. Now, personally, but then, you no, know, have Feltner suffer that same kind of thing. Comebacker hits him. You know, it's just a scary thing where you forget about the baseball and you just work like, oh, is this dude going to be okay? But then, you no, know, that they're able to overcome that and get back to a good spot where they can pitch again. You now and and get back to doing something they love. It is pretty sweet. Good to yeah. see. 
end the season on a bright note. And there's not a lot of bright notes to be had this year in in Rockies baseball, but Feltner recovering from this injury and being back on the mound to end the season is definitely one of them. Yeah. Happy to have him back. But Evan, I think we've salvaged it and we're not going to have a super long episode. I don't know. We could go for another 30 minutes if you want. All right. Let's talk about Brent. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. We'll call talk about Brenton. Talk about Brenton Doyle's swing changes. No, we'll Dance say that changes. for another time. We'll Talk say that for another time, cat. another thing. Nah, I think we're good. Uh, but off season is growing closer, and we will be trying to figure out how to do more stuff in the off season. So we're new. Many, so many question marks for this off season for the Rockies too. Yeah, in terms of the lineup, in terms of the coaching, in terms of the front office, in terms of the TV broadcast, where we still have really no idea. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Um, yeah. The final ever ro- uh, broadcast of Rockies baseball on AT&T SportsCenter Rocky Mountain is on Sunday, October 1st, the last game of the season. And then after that, everything's up in the air. Uh, are they going to be on altitude? Are they going to be on MLB? Who knows? Who knows? QB. I heard they're looking at QB. <laughs> I, if anybody gets that reference. <laughs> Oh, is that that like short form video (laughs) platform that lived for like a week? Yes. (laughs) I thought it was called like Quibi or something. It was probably, yeah, like Quibi. It was probably Quibi. I'm just pronouncing it weird. I'm thinking of Kibo, which was the Canadian kids television programming on cable television growing up. I thought you were talking about uh, Tubi, which is like another... I, I probably like, just combined them all. It's like to be is to be, I think is free, but it's got ads. Yeah. It's like that Pluto TV, but yeah, we're going to be looking. We'll probably have some more fun in years past. We don't do much in the off season, but I think this year we're probably going to continue doing more week to week stuff. Uh, mainly because we're part of fans for sports network. Now we got to keep that content. Uh, keep, that, keep that content rolling. Who knows? Maybe we'll become a uh, we'll we'll do an Avs podcast instead. Yeah, <laughs> no, but we'll definitely do a lot of do a lot more stuff in the in the off season. We'll have fun, and hopefully, we can figure out how we can get guests or something. Uh, but we'll have some fun, more of our drafts, and just talk about random stuff, trivia games. Heck, we'll even do just fun. <laughs> we may even come up with random fun podcasts. Talk about whatever. Who knows? We'll get out of the park baseball and do a tournament of Rockies teams. But trying to. But if you have thoughts, let us know on the Twitters. You can always reach out to us on there and just give us if you have ideas or things you'd want to see from the show. Let us know. Be sure to follow us on your social media platforms and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we would appreciate if it would be five stars, but please leave a review. That helps the show out quite a bit and gets us some more out there so we can see to help this grow because we like having fun. We appreciate people tuning in, putting up with our shenanigans, but also listening to our thoughts on the team because uh, this is what year three of the podcast. So we're coming to the end of year three, which is continuing to evolve and change. Is man, it's wild. 
This isn't even so our final form. If we, once we take off our weighted training clothes, yes, then I won't hold anything back. Until next week, when I reveal <laughs> that I've been holding back, <laughs> will our into a new form? Will they ever defeat next their time, enemy? Next time, aptitude. the enemy defeated. <laughs> do you think how much do you think the license licensing fee would be to get head chala as our intro music <laughs> uh too much the uh, from what i've learned japanese companies are a lot more strict when it comes to copyright infringement copyright and stuff and licensing than Perhaps stuff in the U.S., especially Toei Animation and Funimation. Funimation, Funimation doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, the, they're all the same thing. Over they got uh, they got folded under the Crunchyroll umbrella. Crunchyroll. I think I bought that at the store once. They're delicious, <laughs> and you can watch all your favorite animated Japanese television shows, such as. Undead murder farce or super happy fun time girl squad. Yeah, I'd watch it. I'll watch just about <laughs> anything though. Anyways, you can expect the hot about... content in the off season. I do have a trivia question for you, Skyler. This pitcher was drafted in the 33rd round of the 1996 draft. In 1998, he struck out a minor league best 17 batters in a game on mm-hmm. against the Hickory against Hickory on June 28th, the most by a minor league pitch, left-handed pitcher since 1993. Mm-hmm. Who am I? I have no idea. The answer is Josh Kalinowski. Josh Kalinowski for the playing at home. <laughs> Josh Kalinowski. Good for him. I'm sure he's been posted on every Rocky ever. Uh, probably not because he didn't ever play <gasps> in the bigs. No, oh, there we go. That's why I don't know him. <laughs> He's in almost every Rocky ever. If we didn't every Rocky's minor league ever show, we'd have content for the rest of time. It would be called almost every Rocky ever. I don't know. That could be kind of fun, though. Talk about how. um, Talk about Ryan Howard. Talk about the New Haven Ravens. Mm. Skyler, where can the folks find you out on social media? Uh, On X, formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) Hey, if they have that officially in their thing when you post a link because <laughs> they had to because it's called x formerly known as twitter because apparently downloads dropped off tremendously because n- normal people don't really know what x is well, yeah when you change the name of a company that's been around for a decade over a decade why would you randomly change it to x because it sounds cool and has been banned in multiple countries for sounding like a pornographic website. X stands for extreme. But 
you can find me on there at sideline underscore crowd. That's where we're mostly interacting until that thing finally goes up in flames, which who knows when that'll happen. But that's where the people are. That's where I'm at. And you can find me on Purple Row, Wednesday Rock Piles, and also at fansforsports.com. You can uh, find an article, find our articles. I recently wrote one about Drew Romo over there. Fun stuff. How about Beautiful. you, Evan? Well, you can find me on formerly Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. You can also find me on threads at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. Apparently that still exists. So I'll shoot that out there. And then blue sky at, at Evan Lang 27 dot BSKY dot social. Find me on purplerow.com writing those Thursday rock piles. My most recent one here is about the tremendous number of all-stars and award winners down in our A-level affiliates, the Spokane Indians and the Fresno Grizzlies. A huge shout out to Jordan Beck for being the Northwest League MVP and Ryan Ritter for being the California League MVP. So that's really cool. Um, Fans for Sports Network, as always. You can find us on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter. That's at Rocky Mountain Rooftop, at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. Fun stuff. Also, fun fact, the Tampa Bay Rays are selecting Rymel Tapia. So, Oh, cool. Good for Ta- him. Tapia continues his career down the stretch. But that'll do it here for this edition. Thanks for sticking around here for this long one as we journey towards 100 losses and one of the worst Rocky seasons in team history. It's not one of the worst. It's the worst. Well, record-wise, record, record wise, it's one of the worst. But there's still things to be happy about. In two days, it will be the worst. <laughs> yeah. As of right now, at time of recording, it is not the worst season <laughs> in Rocky's history. Yet. Yet. By the time they lose, it will be. But that'll do it here. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you next time here on Affected by Altitude. Hit them with it. Farewell. Farewell. Do 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 do